cliffcentral.com Future CEOs on cliffcentral.com Welcome back to Future CEOs. What a fantastic conversation. And we have an equally fantastic conversation lined up here with a gentleman by the name of Jason Ray. Now, uh, let's just, uh, let me just read a little bit about, about Jason here because sometimes when people introduce themselves, they're a little bit too modest. So uh, you're described as an advertising giant. <laughs> no, <laughs> but you, but, uh, but uh, maybe I would argue with you a little bit there because your background is with some advertising giants. Sure, uh, sure. So you were at Ogilvy and you you were head of their business development, I think. Is That's that right. I was the pitch person for Ogilvy. Uh, I actually ran their biggest account portfolio. But uh, I was with Ogilvy for ten years, and it was a good ten years. It certainly taught me a lot. Um, taught me a lot. And then about ten years ago, I started Radar, and Radar is. Uh, uh, my agency. Now, Radar is no small agency. Certainly, from a turnover perspective, you've got a healthy turnover. I understand. Uh, we, we do. We um, we think it's gigantic, but it's not really in the greatest scheme of things. Sure, but uh, so I don't know if I'm allowed to mention numbers. There was on entrepreneur.co.za, so right, right. Uh, it said this, the number sixty million there. If you don't want to yeah, tell, yeah, yeah, tell us anymore, that. we won't. I won't. I won't. Certainly won't dig. But sixty million is not something to be sneezed at. Certainly. Sure. I mean, uh, advertising is great at their own, uh, advertisers are great at their own self-promotion, but, sure. um, uh, it's a clean, uh, kind of turnover figure. A lot of agencies report media billings and a whole bunch of other inflated mm. things. Um, that's clean. That's clean revenue. So, uh, for a small independent agency, um, that's kind of organically grown without the support of a network agency, it's, uh, it's okay. <laughs> no, no, it's the, not enough yet. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I think we, we're never quite satisfied, are we? Especially when we're the founders of the business. You founded this business with your, it was yourself and a few partners that you then later bought out? Yeah, uh, there were four partners in the business. Um, we actually all came from Ogilvy. Um, okay. And uh, in the manner of all businesses, it was great when the money uh, wasn't coming in. As soon as the money came, uh, started coming in, then we... Uh, mm. um, uh, I think we had different vision. Sure. Um, so actually, I um, about three years ago, I, I kind of went to the board and I said I'm going to resign, actually, because I think we have uh, different goals. Yes. And uh, all three of my partners turned around and said, actually, if you're going to resign, uh, we'd rather you buy our 70%. So that's what oh, I did. right. Okay, interesting. Uh, and of course, I didn't have the money to do that. So I asked them to give me 12 months, and then I did it. Well, that's very decent of them. <laughs> Certainly. I, I'm more like begged. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, let's talk a little bit about pre-beg and then post-beg. Post yeah, yeah. um, your your business started out quite small. You 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 had a, you've got a certain pedigree to you, to you. How did that aid you as you started this business? And then I want to talk about the business quite specifically because you're quite a a strong. Um, advocate of a flat structure, and we'll talk about that in a moment, uh, or getting as close to your customers as certainly as yeah, possible. Yeah. Um, but let, let's talk about the, your background and how that helped you, if it helped you, and maybe even some of the the struggle it was to break away from some of the big brands and the thinking around the big brands that you were sure. involved in. I mean, I think it's always difficult to start your own business because uh, particularly if you come from a big corporate agency in my case um, in many ways their kind of label has carried you for, for so long sure. um, so starting 
when your Jason Ray Inc. is kind of tough. Yeah, yeah. We were really lucky in that uh, a, a client of, of mine moved a whole bunch of business. So right from the offset, we didn't have the classic problems of a new startup. Uh, we didn't have a cash flow problem. We had a client uh, that flooded us with work. Okay. Um, so in that way, we were really, really fortunate. And of course, we had strategically made sure that that was the case. Sure, sure. Um, and so... Um, it was also a blessing and a curse in a kind of funny way because we became really busy really quickly. Yeah. And, uh, and about five years in, we were thinking, shit, what happened and where did that first five years go? Mm. Um, which happened really quickly. Um, but uh, I think our pedigree is really about the clients that we work on. Uh, our ambition at Radar was never to have a huge agency. In fact, it was never to replicate the agencies from whence we'd come. Yeah. Uh, it was never about headcount. And in fact... Uh, um, we believe in a really um, sharp, focused, non-layered structure, yes. which is the opposite of how agencies are typically um, uh, are typically built. Simply because agencies' remuneration are normally on headcount. So what happens is agencies fill boardrooms with mm. people, mm. and we wanted to do the reverse. Um, and I think we've managed to achieve that. And we also said that we didn't want to have lots of clients. Um, we also didn't want to do the restaurant down the road, and that wasn't. Being arrogant, we sure. wanted to work on big, big business. Big business yeah. So we're lucky enough to have seven blue chip clients. Um, and in fact, in the 10 years that we've been in business, only one client has ever left us. Oh, wow. That's um, impressive. So I want to just to quickly explore why you left in the first place. So I can imagine that people who understand really who and what Ogilvy uh, that kind of brand is they would say why in the world would you leave when you were so close to being on top there what what was the what was the motivation um i th- I think Ogilvy was a fantastic period of my life. Yeah. Um, and after 10 years, um, I kind of looked at the executive creative director one day and we kind of, uh, agencies are born in bars and mm. ours certainly was. Um, and I think we just wanted to kind of carve our own course. Yeah. Um, the kind of work that we wanted to do as well was non-traditional. Um, and, um, in many ways, we thought we were the sort of trailblazers. Doesn't everybody think they're a trailblazer <laughs> when they start a business? But, sure. um, so we wanted to have a different way of working, I think. Um, were you able to achieve that in spite of the fact that you suddenly had this, ma- this massive contract that you had to suddenly work with, with this client? Yeah, yeah, we, we did. And we said, <laughs> um, firstly, we, um, we bought a little cottage and, uh, we made it a sixties collectible shop. So when okay. our, when our big corporate client came to the boardroom, um, literally people would wander in off the street and try by the lamp. Um, <laughs> and we said we were really going to be fun and non-corporate. Um, and we managed to achieve that, I think, for about three years. Um, but actually, even when you come to the radar offices in Joburg or Cape Town, uh, it's the most atypical agency you ever walk into, I think. I'm going to have to visit your premises then. Uh, just They're very, pretty. Very, very quickly, <laughs> radar the brand, where did that come from? Just, just Some people have really interesting stories. Do you have an interesting story? Uh, we started uh, by – we actually called ourselves under the radar when we started, okay, um, which quickly became an acronym UTR. Uh, which frankly made us sound like an STD. Um, 
And so I, uh, I, I would have, I might have said courier company. <laughs> <laughs> <SPD> fun. <laughs> the worst thing was they used to say, "Oh, here's Jason Ray. Uh, he's ex Ogilvy, but now called UTR." Yeah. Um, <laughs> so when I took over, uh, when I uh, with the partnership shift about three years ago, the first thing I did was shorten it to Radar. Mm. And people think that Jason Ray Radar. There was absolutely okay, no yeah. connection. Actually, it was my business partner that came up with the name Under the Radar. Mm. And then I, I do want us to then talk about now this, the post-panic, the post-big. Uh, uh, you, you do believe in a flat structure. You do Completely. believe in getting very, very close to your clients. Let's talk about that for a moment. And you, you've got the um, benefit of hindsight, the benefit of being in a, in a quite a deep or, or large structure like an, like an Ogilvy. And no one's criticizing that necessarily. It just is what it is in a corporate environment. How, how, what's the comparison? Let's talk about that a little bit, please. Um, so uh, in our industry, um, uh, there's a lot of juniorization. Um, so we've spoken about headcount earlier. Um, agencies st- fill their staff complement with lots of juniors. We said we wanted to be the reverse, so very top-heavy um, and lighter, um, and lighter in terms of layer. So everything about radar is about the uh, elimination of layer. Mm. And you know, layers just get in the way. They get in the way between uh, good advertising and the consumer. They certainly get in the way between the advertising agency and the client. Yeah. And most agencies meet their clients once a week around a progress report, which is kind of like an operational status report, if mm. you like. And we said we absolutely weren't going to do that. So the first thing we did was to move into our clients' offices. Um, so our account people um, actually physically sit in our clients' offices. That's remarkable. And that makes uh, the agency conversation a completely different one. You're no longer on an occasion. You're not the one yeah. once a week visit. You're part of the conversation. And I think um, that's been the key point of difference for us. It certainly made uh, the work better mm. and sharper and more focused. We're not second-guessing anymore. Um, and there's no kind of Chinese whispers, you know. Um, so that immediacy... Uh, um, makes the work, in my opinion, much more uh, strategically relevant. Mm, um, absolutely. We say, you know, in the old days, you used to talk about above the line, below the line, yes. which is such kind of old-fashioned concepts. But we say that we're before the line. Um, <laughs> and like literally, it. like it's it. that. Mm. It's um, and, you know, you can only brief my job in the agency as a strategist. Um, you can only be a good strategist if you are close to the problem. Mm. No, no, no. Very, very good point. Here's a question, though. How do you prevent these clients of yours to, from just taking your employee and saying, well, you seem to be able to de- deploy this appropriately. Why don't you just give it a go? I guess that is, uh, I guess that, uh, the line becomes so invisible so that, um, you're not sure if you're the client or the agency. Uh, but I think what helps us there is the seniority of people that we recruit. Um, and we add people, we add men, uh, add men and women. Mm. In fact, we're mostly women at mm. radar, but, um, and that's good. Um, so I think, uh, we're really clear that we want to be ad people, not marketers. Okay. No, no, very, very good point. Very good distinction. So I, I do want us to just go to this idea of uh, – because you speak about – and I'm just going to read a little bit here. Um, and I want to go into the detail of for our future CEOs community. So and it's, it's along the veins that we're talking. This doesn't mean they pick up the phone every day to check in. That's managing. Now, too many people, too many certainly entrepreneurs feel like they have to micromanage. 
How have you been able to separate yourself from this idea that, well, now they're, they're potentially off-site, they're somewhere else, but how do, you, how do you manage in that kind of environment? How do you find that confidence to do it? I don't think I have. <laughs> okay, interesting. I think, uh, you know, running your own business is very, very intimate. Mm. Um, so uh, I'm certainly uh, hands deep in uh, most jobs in the agency. So um, I'm very, very close to my team. And, you know, they're... Uh, there are only uh, 26 people at Radar, um, so it's not impossible to do that. Sure. Um, but I think uh, I would argue that's not the same as trying to micromanage. Um, I think what our clients expect and hope of us is that uh, we're overcommitted. Um, and so if any client phones me, I'm pretty much aware of most jobs in the agency. Okay, now interesting. Here's a here's a nice statement. So you 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 mentioned one of your rules at least, or maybe it, maybe it was another one. No, no, you've only mentioned one of the rules. The other one of them is uh, you only work for clients you like. It's the number one rule. It's the only rule we really live by. And honestly, you don't have a conversation with people you don't like. Um, and in my uh, in my industry, uh, having the right conversation is key. And uh, you know we we've. We've all been around the block, and uh, I didn't want to drive to a client ever with a lump in my gut. Mm. Um, and I'm really lucky. Um, I have to say, super, super lucky. Uh, most of our businesses come from client referral, um, and we've got a community of clients that we really like. And uh, that's something worth talking about because I think that's super special. You know, we, I don't come to work. I, I leap out of bed in the morning. Mm. No, no, that, uh, that I is, don't drag myself to that, work, and that is special. I, I do want us to go where you just touched on because it is word of, word of mouth. There is a referral element to the way that you develop new business. But how have you been able to do that? Uh, the rule here: don't we don't pitch for work. I know. Uh, I so, by the way, there were three rules. So, when we were in that in that bar, yes, um, at Ogilvy, we said there were three things. Number one, we'd only work for clients that we uh, that we liked. Number two, we wouldn't pitch, and that was because uh, I was the pitch person and just bloody tired of pitching. Okay. Uh, and number three, uh, uh, that there would be no layers, no politics, no layers at radar. Um, we've managed to keep two broken, uh, broken the second one. Okay. So, for the last two years, we have been going out to pitch, but. Um, we do it very judiciously, you know. We don't pitch on anything and everything. Mm. Um, what we tend to do is, um, and we've we've done it this year. We win a piece of business, then we close the door again. The radar model is all about um, close contact. Mm. We can only truly deliver that if we're not indiscriminate with the kind of work we do and for whom we do it. Uh, and then, you know, we're really careful to grow organically so that we don't start to replicate the agency structures yep. that we say we're different from. Mm. And I guess that's the temptation. The temptation is to try Hoover up. Um, we kind of try to resist that temptation. Um, how, how do you do that, though? In a world that's so um, growth and, and or fast growth crazy, it seems, how do you do that? How do you, how do you not get caught up? I think... Uh, I think, you know, it's the kind of clients that we, we've attracted. Um, they're kind of big and blue chip, uh, so they don't come around, you know, every corner. Um, but, uh, you know, that golden rule about only working for clients that you like. Mm. Um, so what we try to do is to have real chemistry sessions, um, to make sure that they want to be in the room with us as much as we want to be in the room with them. Um, and then we try to match the team 
to the client temperature and whether that's uh, about a work or a personality. I mean, different levels of temperature. But um, it's really important that we have intimate, close, personal conversation. And, and again, as I said earlier, you only do that with people you like. I, I like how your rules have allowed you to stay within a certain set of parameters. It just it almost um, forces you to grow organically. No, and, yeah. and it's very, very nice. And if you're not clear about who you are, you can't expect anybody else to be. Absolutely. Um, so we try to be clear about who we are. You did speak about breaking one of the rules. Let's talk about maybe a couple of failures and other rules that you may have, bro- have, have broken. My <laughs> God. <laughs> I've broken every <laughs> you also said that you've made all the mistakes that there are to make. Sure, uh, sure. But what what does that what does that even mean? Well, you know, don't forget. I mean, we were all ad people that worked in big in, in big agency structures. Um, so we were used to having pretty much everything done for us, apart mm. from our kind of craft, if you like. Um, so when I came to Red Eye, I had absolutely no idea how to read a balance sheet. Um, okay. I knew nothing about tax. Um, and I think that, for me, has been the huge growth curve. You know, um, I've learned a lot. And how we've learned is, um, I mean, we couldn't go and afford to go and hire a whole bunch of heavyweight professionals. Mm. So we learned by the mistakes we made. Yeah, someone's asking for a tax clearance certificate or something. You're like, oh, crap. What, what, what is, is that? that? <laughs> <laughs> Back to, they're all acronyms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the biggest mistake that you've made and the, and the biggest lesson that you've learned from that mistake. And please tell us a story. We love stories. I think, um, you know, uh, uh, we were really, um, I think, uh, the key mistake we made in the, in the early days of the business was not really investing properly in our finance function. Okay. Um, so we were so seduced about trying to build our creative studio and making sure that we had the right strategy people in the, in the room. But we kind of forgot that the uh, the engine room of any business, the heartbeat of any business is cash flow. Yeah. Um, and, it was okay because uh, we could keep filling the top pipeline, but uh, it's only been over the last four years that we've realized that actually the person that sits in the finance chair is uh, as important as the executive creative director. Yeah. Um, and when we made that mind shift and we employed somebody who, frankly, at the time was, I think, three times more than we were used to paying, mm. Um but that was the most worthy investment we ever made. It reminds me of Gil. Gil Ovid and, and Run Neuner, the, the creative council, they, and they, they said this uh, as Did well. Did they say the same thing? They said that they underinvested. They, they got someone in early on who they, they were just trying to save money. But in, in actual fact, the, the knock-on effect of that was millions and millions of rands a little, a couple of years later, but yeah. they could see it coming through. So they definitely developed the, as you said, the finance function. Yeah, yeah. So, from a personal perspective, if if we can go back back to to I'm you, I'm now scared. <laughs> no, there's no, nothing to be to be scared about. But I, I think there's a certain how do I say it's a certain arrogance that you potentially could have at this point. You yourself, you, you've worked for some big businesses, you've got some blue chip clients, um, you've got a, a very healthy turnover in your business. How do you avoid this? I this I'm I've done it. I've done. I've done it on the corporate side. I'm, I'm now seeming to be able to do it on the entrepreneurial side. How do you avoid walking into a room and saying, I've, I'm, how's it? I, I'm, I'm the man. I've nowhere near reached the destination. 
Okay. So, um, yeah, I don't feel I've achieved. Uh, you know, also, you know, what's interesting is that, um, you always imagine that these things will take much, qu- you know, much quicker than you ever thought. Sure. So, uh, we're a kind of classic example of an overnight success that took 10 years. Yes. Um, so um doing it organically, I mean, we're also a self-funded business. So we started with a tiny bit of money. Mm. Um, actually cashed in my pension. Um, so, same as our the, previous guest, amazing. Start, start the company. Um, but um, I think uh, we're nowhere near done yet. And uh, until we're an agency of record and on the lips of most of the senior marketers in this country, then maybe we can sit back. Uh, but uh, at this point, we're very much leaning forward. Mm. Um, I, I, so I hear you on the vision side. Let's talk a little bit of the strategy side. How do you plan to be able to do that but then remain nimble and rem- stick – Really hold true to your rules, um, but then also achieve that. Well, uh, let's let's l- look forward a little bit. You know, I think uh, one of the recent lessons that I've certainly learned is um, to kind of stick to your knitting and to understand what you're good at in the business. Okay. Um, so what I'm disastrous at is probably the sort of day-to-day management in the business. I'm a much better strategist than I am an MD. So I went and employed one who's much better than me. Um, And so I think if um, we can identify in the small band of people that we are where our core strengths lie and then complement each other perfectly, as opposed to um, kind of falling into kind of managerial stuff that we may not be best suited for. Um, so I'm really lucky in that I've got a core management team who pretty much run the agency, um, which allows me to have the direct line contact, yeah. which which lubricates the relationship, which just makes the work better. Well, the I, I've asked this question to to a lot of CEOs. Um, in this particular instance, you really are the CEO, and it's what do you? See? I would never call myself that. Though. How weird is that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and. I'd love to explore. We don't have enough time to explore why you wouldn't do that. Some some people just say there's an arrogance around this idea yeah. of CEO. But what do CEOs or maybe MDs? But what do CEOs actually do? And I like the CEO COO distinction. So what's the difference between the two? Because some people mix that up. Uh I'm not sure. I'm sure there's a textbook answer that I don't know. I, I don't uh, know the textbook answer either. But all I know is that uh, companies are led by demonstration. Um, so as the, the kind of head of the company, I suppose, uh, I always try to lead by demonstration. Mm, okay. Um, and I think the hard work and uh, passion for what you do is infectious. The rest is all platitude. And I like that word platitude because it is. There's so much talk and so much nonsense yeah. around it. Uh, we don't want nonsense from you for this final answer because we have run out of time. It's been a very quick half hour. Thank you very much for being on the show. If you could go back in time and talk to the 20-year-old you, what advice would you give the 20-year-old future CEO you? Gosh. Um <laughs> What advice? Um, you know, uh, I think what I've been disastrous, and I'm talking now. This is personal. Um, I think uh, for the first nine years of my business, uh, I thought my business was me, um, and so uh, work-life balance. Uh, I kind of understood the notion, but I didn't really uh, live it. Um, and more recently, I realised that uh, that's got a that's got a lifespan of its own. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I think I'm discovering that I'm not just radar. Mm, very, very nice. Well, Jason Ray, founder and MD, no, not strategist, not strategist 
at Simply Radar. We'll, we'll go with founder uh, of Radar. Thank you for being on the show today. It uh, really has been a great pleasure. Thank you for your insights, okay. and we, we really appreciate it. All right, guys, we'll be with you same time, same place next week, helping you to fast track your career and also grow your business. We'll see you next week. Cliffcentral.com.